Hello, friends, family, friends who are family, and maybe the odd listener that I don't know. Um, my chat today is with Sumeya Malik. Uh, she is a co-worker of mine at Village Union Public School, where she teaches core French. And uh, she, lately, she's been a lot more than that, though. Um, lately, she has been very busy being a mom to Rian, who was born about a year ago, a uh, year ago today. And uh, yeah, we, we really, we discuss how Rian is doing a little bit, um, but more so, I would say, how he was named, which is an interesting story, and also how well her husband is doing at being a daddy, which is great to hear, of course, as always. Um, we discuss other things, such as Pakistani culture, um, a little bit of clothing, and a little bit of cuisine as well. Um, Sumeya lately has... Uh, started up her own company and her company is simple trends by sm and she's got a website simple trends by sm.ca and trends is spelled with a z and s and m stands for samaya malik um you'll hear the story of how her website came to be and where the need for this business um, came about um really she's she's quite busy as as you'll hear when you listen um but we we just first and foremost have tremendous amounts of respect for each other as professionals and colleagues and frankly we we kick butt together so uh ladies and gentlemen i hope you enjoy meeting samaya malik hey malik hey how's it going excellent how are you i'm good it's really Thanks good to hear your voice I know it's been too long. You had the perfect mat leave for the perfect weirdest year of like teaching ever. I totally did. <laughs> I was like, I was thinking about that all year. I was like, first the strike and then COVID and this year has just been crazy for you guys. It's, it's been pretty bananas and it's kind of fun that you got to miss all of it. Like from, from at least like working standpoint, but I'm sure you're still living through it as well. And I'm sure you've heard all about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have to, you know, be in the, be right in the trenches of it. But uh, I miss the kids. I miss, I feel like, um, I feel like I wanted to be there to support the kids. I know that, uh, I know that this would have been a difficult time for a lot of them being home and, you know, not having school as an outlet. So I miss I felt like I needed to do more um, for our kids, but uh, you know, I'm doing what I can for my kids. So you are allowed to have your own kid and focus on that for a bit. Um, I want to say the name right, and I, I did the nerdiest thing. I googled like pronunciation just so I didn't f it up. Um, is it Rion? Ryan. Ryan. I'm sorry. Yeah. No worries. So that's so funny that you Googled it. Yeah. And I also Googled like the meaning because I know sometimes there's like a meaning attached to a name. I don't know what the meaning of Rick was, but sometimes people, you know, they choose a name based on meaning and um, is a door to paradise. Is that like a rough translation for what um, uh, Ryan's name would translate to? Yes. So um, I'm sure most people have heard of the seven heavens, I guess. Um, and I have. So, Can right. you fill me in? Um, I don't know. I don't know very much, but there are different, I guess, doors to get into heaven or stages of heaven. 
um, as per, I guess, Muslim literature and, uh, and, you know, different people with different kind of virtues going through, enter paradise through different doors. Um, and Ryan is one of the doors and it is for people who, um, so in our Muslim tradition, we fast in the month of, uh, Ramadan. So I, I, I'm sure you remember me fasting at some point. Definitely. Um, yeah. And so I, um, we fast in Ramadan and then there's some people who fast like regularly through the year. Um, and so people who fast often are said to, um, that they are going to enter paradise from that door and that's the name of the door but that's actually not why i chose it i found out the meeting after um would you like to hear the story about how i chose my kid's name i would 100 percent love to hear that story <laughs> okay so we really struggled with a boy name we have like a million girl names but when you we were having nice. a boy rick, rick is it, I, it does i don't know what it means but it's nice Rick was definitely the top of the list, but, um, but then, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we struggled. We struggled a lot with boy name. I feel like that's, you know, I feel like I hear that from a lot of parents, like they have a gender, not the other kind of thing. Um, and then I, we kind of brought it down to five names that we were both like, we like them. We just don't love any of them. Um, and when we see him, we will choose between these five. And then I guess three weeks before, uh, he was born. I had a dream, and in my dream, um, I was in the hospital, and I had just had I just had the baby, and my brother and his wife came to me, and they said, "Oh, what's his name?" Like they came to visit me, and they were like, "What's his name?" And I said the name Ryan to them, and so then when I woke up, I was like, "All right, this is the name, the name we're gonna go with." <laughs> That's wild. It literally came to you in a dream. Yeah, it was interesting. I don't normally remember my dreams, and I don't. I've never really gone like a dream. I was confused about something and then I kind of just like saw it in a dream um so this would have been a first I mean I hear of other people having experiences like that but it just doesn't happen to me so I don't know that that's super cool like that it was that profound and that out of the blue because it's not like you have these dreams often right oh yeah never I've never had that before I've never had any kind of a dream to tell me anything important in life <laughs> <laughs> Usually I just wake up and I'm, I'm trying to tell my wife like what happened in my dream. And I only have like one tenth of what happens. And as I'm explaining it, I'm forgetting more and more from the stupid dream. And then by the end, I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't remember anyway. It's over now. It's fine. But like, I don't remember my dream very well. <laughs> Same. I wake up and then I have no recollection after that. So this is a, this is an interesting one for me, but yeah, now he's, one years old somehow and uh you know walking and saying a few words and he's really cool <laughs> what a game changer that all is when you can see their personality taking shape oh yeah and then you hope that you you don't like you hope that you don't contribute to them having a crappy personality <laughs> or like you know this like i often see him whining and crying and i'm like no 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 you will not be that person <laughs> I bet working in a school, um, I bet that that really makes all these different personality types stick out in your mind. And, and when you were becoming a parent, I bet you were trying to be like really careful to not let those personality types manifest, right? Absolutely. 100%. I, I very often hear myself saying, 
I know kids like that. I have seen parents like that. And like, it's just, you know, like parenting's really been interesting for me because when you're a teacher, they're all your kids, right? And so you kind of like, you, you, you see a little bit of everything. And so you start telling yourself things like, my kid will never, my kid will never. And I, if I have learned anything in the last year, it is to never say my kid will never. Because that will be that will be the only thing your kid does at that point. Then, so uh, yeah, I'm, I I think uh, biggest biggest lesson learned: never say my kid will never. My sister has been giving me that exact same life lesson lately. Like through her Facebook posts, she posts a lot of the mommy mommy memes, and they're all hilarious. And and it sounds like they're all very true. Like just the times that your toddler has like thrown a hissy fit for something that you gave to them because they wanted. And you're just like, what, what do you want? Like, I don't understand why you're crying. Like they just seem like really complicated uh, puzzles that don't come with any instructions at all. And you're brave for having one in your house and, and like choosing to, to grow one. Oh, you know what? He's uh he's a good kid. So I'm very lucky to uh, have him. I'm willing to bet it's not so much luck because I bet you bring what you bring in the classroom to your parenting as much as you possibly can. And uh, I, I think you brought to your role as, uh, as my teaching partner, because, you know, you and I taught together for, for two years out of three that I was there and you're, you're my French teacher. And that means you're like one of the only faces that I get to see in the room with my kids while I'm in the room with the kids and it's, I, I got to tell you, it's been an absolute pleasure working with you because I, I got to see how you connect with the kids and how that's allowed to be different than how I connect with the kids. And um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's just uh, you and I have been a really solid team together. What do you think? Absolutely. Thank you for that, by the way. Um, I, you know, I hope that I have been able to make a positive impact on our littles. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that it's been, um, I think core French is really different in that way where you get to work with a whole bunch of different staff and, you know, you learn it's important as a core French teacher to kind of look at what the, the homeroom teacher is doing because they have the best kind of insight about their kids. And then, you know, take from that what you need within your own core French program and your classroom math and all of that. So I've definitely... Uh, benefited so much from from you know seeing how you interact with your uh, class and then kind of doing the same it's neat because so, yeah, like you and I have done the tag team thing quite a few times where we've come in and you know whether it was my prep or your prep and we just absolutely needed to sort the class out and we were good at that, like investing. Okay, this, for the next thirty minutes, you're gonna you're gonna reflect on life and your choices in it, and we just did a really good job of of that. And uh, I think part of it comes from the fact that you've invested so much time getting to know my kids on that level, so that you can talk to them on that same level. You know? Yeah, and I I mean it was uh, you know that one time that we had that we talked to them about diversity, our own experiences, equity, that kind of thing was definitely a highlight in my career to be honest um because as a core French teacher you don't really get to do all that kind of stuff right and um that stuff is super important to me but I think that um I think that that was definitely 
that's definitely a part of the job that I have enjoyed getting to, um, you know, work with you, working with different teachers and all. Sorry, I don't know if I answered your question. My kid came toddling into this room and then I got distracted <laughs> and then okay. I forgot the question. Sorry. Then I no, started talking. it's all good. It, and Sorry. I know what I was going to say as well, because like I think of you as our equity queen, um, not oh, just, no, <laughs> no I, I do. And I think that it was very important for us at our school to have the equity queen, because uh, if you're looking at our staff, like through no fault of anyone's, many of us look the exact same. There's a whole lot of white people, right? And yeah, the ma- the fact of the matter is a lot of our student population looks like a lot of our staff, a lot of white students. But we we have a very transient population with all kinds of different cultures. And I, I thought that you did a really great job of um, representing someone that our students might not see in their other life outside of school um, as a person who like you're Muslim and you don't mind talking about it and, and you wear your hijab to school and you know they, they always look beautiful by the way and I hope that sounds thank you I really <laughs> thank you job today and you're all, you always took it like no god thank you yeah not just my shoes or whatever right <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I just thought it was amazing that our kids got a glance at having um, a teacher with, I don't want to say a teacher with diversity because everyone brings what they bring, but you brought diversity to their world. And me having been a kid growing up in the same area, I didn't have very many teachers that, you know, represented, you know, uh, the Muslim population. And I just, I don't know, would you talk about that a little bit? Has I bet that's been really hard at our school. You know what? Um I think everybody's personalities are different. Um, And I, um, when I started teaching, this was not something that, you know, I was focused on, but it became, it became um, my teaching philosophy, if you will, part of my teaching philosophy, if you will. Um, That representation, as you said, is so important, Um, not only for, you know, the Muslim population within the schools to have someone who looks like them and someone who has similar experiences to them and someone who they can kind of, you know, they know they can relate to. But also, as you said, for for the rest of the population who may not ever meet a Muslim person in their life. So what do they have to go on? They have the media. They have, you know, everything else that's out there that really isn't that positive. And so now when they see you know, somebody or another, or they see something or another on the internet that says all Muslims are blah, 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 blah. They can say, no, but I know a Muslim person and they're not like that. And so like, it gives them a different perspective. And that has become super important for me. And one of the reasons that I want, I'm more motivated to excel in, in my career is because I want that, that um, representation and the impact of that representation to reach as many kids as possible in our system um and so like yeah I mean I mean it's super super important to me I hope that I've been able to do that for our kids a little bit um and again I I, you know being a core French teacher has its ups has its um I guess it's pros and cons, but one of the pros is that I get to see most of the kids in the school that's very every day yeah, I get to see, I get to see most of them every day. I don't have, you know, the same personal relationships with each of them as a homeroom teacher would. Um, but 
I get to see them and I get to have somewhat of an impact on them every single day. And that's super important to me. I really, I really look forward to doing that every day. It's, um, it's tough in a school because you're usually forced between choosing to get to know students with depth or breadth, right? Like you're getting to know a few kids really, really well in one classroom or, you know, you're, you're trying to connect with every kid so that when you walk into every classroom at every point of the day, you can make whatever chaos is happening stop, right? So yeah. it's, uh, I've never had to choose breadth over depth. I've never done the rotary roll, but I might be walking into that this year. You got any tips for me? Oh, yeah, you are? Uh, I might be. It sounds like okay. it was going to be grade seven uh, homeroom with math. But with all this chaotic stuff coming, I just have a feeling that um, I'm going to need to be flexible. I don't know. I, ha- I don't have any information. I'm just going on okay. pure anxiety here at this point. So one of the things that I've been to one, two, three, four different schools now, um, just because life had me moving a lot. Um, so I've been to four different schools now and I've taught core French in three of the four. And one of the things that, um, I found really helps right at the beginning is, um, I gotta, I gotta be really firm and structured in the beginning. And I know that like, you know, it's important to get to know your students and get, you know, friendly and be more personable, but for core French, especially because it's not a subject that the kids really bought into. Mm-hmm. and so like classroom management is really key if you ever want to get anything across in core French so and it's similar for it's similar for other subjects or whatever right so I went in with a structure firm and you know these are my structures these are my rules these are my you know these are this is what's happening here and then we practiced and we practiced and we practiced and you know being in a school like my first year and I'm sure you you can relate to this as well my first year at Village Union was really really hard mm-hmm. and um and I learned so much from it but my second year like man you come back that second year and you the kids know you they know what your structure is they know what you expect they know what they need to do and it's just so much easier but that first year was a lot of building those structures and building that platform um where we could get to where we got to in the second year it was backbreaking so, that first year like if i always liken it to the, the whole gardening analogy like the first year at a high needs school you're just running around sowing seeds and just hoping that something starts to grow soon because you feel like you're always running. And that second year, once everyone sees that you're back and you, you know, it's had time in the ground and it's poked out and maybe caught some sunny days a few times, it starts to pay Mm -hmm. off for you. But my God, that first year can make you want to stop gardening for a bit. Doesn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it definitely does. And then you and then you know what you have your program, you, you you'll definitely have your program to rely on after that, the more engaging you make it, the more you make it about your kids, the more that you, you know, you do that so well, I, I mean, you do it so well, the way you leverage technology, the way that you, you know, um, personalize your program for your for your kids and what they um, what they're going to buy into. That's what you need for rotary, right. And so um you know it has its again it has its pros and cons you're not going to get to know the kids as well as you want to but you know it helps you out on their yard I I mean 
if, if anyone, you know, I didn't mind going out on the yard at that point because I was just like, you know what, I could just call you by name and I will know who you are and I will know what your needs are and I will know, you know, it helped me out so much in that way. Um, and again, you know, you just got to work on your program and make sure it's for your kids. It's engaging for your kids and make sure your structures and your your expectations are in place and work on them and work on them and work on them. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. Like That would just be my advice. You sandwiched in so many compliments there, too. And I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think if that's the case, if it's just a matter of making sure the kids are engaged, I'll just do what I what I have been doing, which is. Like, it looks like I'm targeting everything around the kids and keeping them engaged. Really, what I'm doing is just trying to make it so exciting that even I stay engaged. Because <laughs> I, I think, you know, sometimes you can see I'm the biggest kid in the room, right? Your attention span is quite questionable, yes. Yeah, but <laughs> I have a well, we love you for it. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> how am I going to deal with not having a desk to pile all my crap on if I'm going to be rotary? Oh, I still found a desk somewhere in the corner of somewhere and piled all my crap on it. Okay. All right. Fine. That, that, that. And you know what? It, it becomes easier because nobody sees your desk. The kids don't see your desk. So you don't even have to make sure it's super neat ever. That's good. Not that that is a good thing. Not that that is a good thing. And, you know, some of our coworkers, um, some of our coworkers were always, you know, like, I don't know how you function on this desk. And I was like, I function in chaos. It is what I do. <laughs> I teach core French in a high need school. I love the chaos. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, you get away with a lot. You know, you you're when you're on prep, for example. I mean, I was grateful to have an office. Not everybody gets that. But um, you know, I would just go to my office, I'd close the door and and everything that was happening outside was happening outside and my door was closed and I got work done. Like I got work and I had to look for a place to sit. I had a setup, I, you know, all my stuff was there and, it, you know, it definitely has its pros. Definitely. Yeah. Um, that was one of my favorite things about you as my French teacher was um, you were always timely. Like you, you would be there, the bell would ring and you'd be there and anytime that you weren't there and we'd be cutting into my prep time or me trying to get over to cover someone else's class. It was always the right approach. You were always like, I'm so sorry and it was like nope no problem it's fine gotta, gotta go bye and <laughs> but I always knew you made like your best effort to be there and I just I appreciate the hell out of that because I think anyone who's ever been waiting for someone else when the minutes matter um you at least want to see like I don't know when when I'm walking across the street and the cars wave me across and I'm crossing the road like I don't take my damn time. Like I, I, my knees are coming up, you know, waist tight. I am hustling across that street because I want them to know like, Oh shit. Yeah. Thank you. And, and go, you go. And I don't know right. if you were ever late for any reason, usually the reasons were not even your fault. Like it was like, you're late because the other teacher didn't come back or something, but you would always be like, Holy, I'm so sorry. It's like, no man, it's all good. We're good. Oh, thank you. I didn't I didn't know that that I was on time for things. I was I would hope that I was I tried, you know, that takes practice as a, you know, you got to figure out when each class needs to start cleaning up for them for you for them to be in, in their place settled, and for you to be out of there because um, I mean, I, I remember in my first year of teaching, there was another I, I was teaching homeroom at the time. But I had a prep coverage teacher in my room 
and she was completely new to teaching as well right she's a great great teacher but I remember that like when her time was done she would just be like okay bye and then she would walk out but the kids still had their books out and blah 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 blah. it definitely takes practice and it takes time to learn what you have all of those steps that you have to do before you can comfortably leave that room the kids are settled they're ready for their next period they're you know and you have enough time for transit the hardest part about it I will tell you was when it was like I was down in kindergarten and I had to be right back up to the other end of the school um that was hard and you know physical distance is not something that there's anything we can really do about no we can't tell um not yet right exactly I mean it would be great if we could but just not yet um but yeah I mean at that point if I mean if you are going into a rotary uh, a, a rotary position, one of the recommendations that I would make is talk to the teacher and say, hey, could you come back like a minute and a half early? And then you talk to the next teacher and say, I'm going to be a minute and a half late. Like, you know, you you do your, you those minutes count. Yeah. That one minute here, that one minute there, it counts. And you got to do what you got to do um, without being unfair to both kind of, both teachers or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I try my best, but if you, just a tip, if you do go into rotary, um, it, it, it's, it's definitely something that takes practice. Well, I think like you said, just knowing how long things take to do, like planning your transition and building in realization and, uh, like, you know, you got to come on, our school is massive. And for you to get from kindergarten to my room, that is opposite corners of a building. Like I was trying to do the math. It's probably 200 meters you had to travel. Yeah. And then you run, (laughs) you tell the kids not to run in the hallway, but sometimes you run. Yeah. Cause you're like, well, I'm running because I have to get to another class. Yeah. It's like Madame Malik is allowed to run because she has an impossible schedule. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. You know what? My schedule last year was, was quite good compared to, um, what do they call it? A, a dog's breakfast of a schedule? Is that what it's called? I yeah, don't know. Dog, I've heard dog's that term. breakfast, yeah. Yeah, uh, for schedule in my first year. And uh, you pay your dues. You pay your dues when you're when you start somewhere, you know. Um, and, you know, you know, the thing is, though, I feel like in every school, there's always going to be one or two teachers, depending on how big the school is who are unfortunately going to have that schedule, mm-hmm. that schedule, that's just impossible. And it's just the way that things work out. And I mean, the more experience that you have, I think, with it, the better you can kind of manage it. Uh, the better you know your students, the better you can manage it. So it is a really shitty you know, thing, though, when you get that schedule. Like, if you're that staff member, you're like, ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it is. It is hard, but, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. So, yeah, and I'm super appreciative of the permanent that I got at our school. So it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. You know, speaking of dreams and, uh, you know, I brought up anxiety, but uh, that dream, have you ever had the dream where you're supposed to be teaching, but you're late and then you get there and everything's on fire and then everything's just going wrong. Like, do you have that dream or is that just a me thing? Every year before the first day of school, every year like how many times just one time or do you get it like for a couple of weeks leading up to that day oh you know that's a good question because in my LTOs I never knew about my jobs until like they were starting tomorrow so I only had 
one day to have that dream. Okay. So, and then I got my permanent and I was there for two years and then I was on mat leave. So I would say I got it once. I got it once probably. I think before the first year, I got it a couple of times before the first year permanent. I got it a couple of times. Um, But yeah, I definitely do. And then when I was pregnant, I know you know that I had a terrible, awful uh, pregnancy. Yeah, you Um, you weren't super happy and healthy the whole time. No, I wasn't. And so that was, you know, that was, that was my other thing that I was just like, Oh, my God, I am going to miss my alarm or I'm gonna because I was so tired all the time. So I was just like, I'm gonna miss my alarm. I'm not gonna wake up. And you know, I had a great teaching partner during my pregnancy um, in the grade four classroom where I was first thing in the morning. And I have to say she covered for me more than a couple of times. Latchins is um, a straight up like, all star teacher. And yes, the fact that you I, I 100, so I 100% agree. It was like one of my best experiences working with her. She's just, I, I can't even say enough good things about her. She's so phenomenal at what she does. She's so flexible, which you don't find very often. And she's so like, she was such, she was just so understanding as a person. And like, it was just so great working with her. I was really, I mean, before I had, before we started, um, the year her and I hadn't met yet because our classroom wasn't ready and then I was away then she was away and it was weird we met like on the first day of school pretty much I think oh. and I was so worried I was like oh my gosh like I'm gonna have to share, share this classroom with, with with someone I'm gonna have to get my ish together and like they're gonna have expectations of me that are gonna be like crazy and I don't even know what I'm gonna do because I'm not that like you know artsy teacher who decorates all of the bulletin boards and you know whatever I'm just not yeah I'm just I'm just really not and so I was worried but then like she was so cool she was so easy to work with she was she made everything um like she really she really made it so that we played to our strengths right like she had her strengths I had my strengths and we really were able to work together and um benefit the kids using whatever strengths we both had so it was it was a, a really really good experience working with her. Shout out to Blatchins. What up, Blatchins? There's a podcast <laughs> waiting for you too, friend. Um, <laughs> what, and it, you talk about getting your permanent job, and like I feel like anyone who listens to all of my my podcasts, they hear this come up, and they're like, okay, enough. But that pow- <laughs> the power of permanent, the power of like how you feel about yourself as an educator once you are permanent it is an effect I don't know I can't quite put my finger on what it does but it has an effect on you and it makes me made me more confident and worry like those like ridiculous anxieties you know the things that like will keep you up at night I had less of those yeah I definitely agree um I think it gives you more peace of mind and I and I and I can't really put my finger on exactly why um, because I don't know, I just can't, but I moved around quite a bit, which is why I was in like three LTOs before I got a permanent, normally for French teachers, um, they either get a permanent in their first year or second year, just because there's so many jobs out there for French teachers. Right. Um, but I was, I had moved, I had started my first year in Markham where I lived with my parents. And then I got married, we moved to Port Dover, and I was teaching in that school board. And then we moved back 
And I started with Durham and I did my, my LTO. And then my second year with Durham was when I got my, was when I got the permanent. And so, you know, you feel the pressure as an LTO to kind of outperform and um, prove yourself almost. Right. And, and I just feel like as a permanent, we do, we do just as well. It's not like we slack and, you know, like oh cool I got a permanent now nothing's gonna now happen to me. Now I don't have to, to care about anything. Like that's not a, yeah that's not what's happening. No, you care in a different way, right? You have more. Um, you care in a different way. I guess it's it's knowing where you're gonna be the next year and knowing that this is this is home for the next little while at least and um, forgetting about all of the external pressures and kind of focusing on the things that you really want to do with your kids and you really want to get out there with your kids and. So it's definitely a different feeling. You're right. I think of like our mental capacity, like our bandwidth, so to speak, in terms of like out of 100%, there are times of the school year where if you're an LTO, your bandwidth is being taken up, but not only by report cards and finishing your school year strong and making sure your assessments, assessments tight and your kids aren't going bonkers, but you're also trying to get hired and you're tracking down which principal moved where because you know you you might have an in there or something all that like energy it 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 gets to go somewhere else once you're permanent and you know I I think that's the thing that you know is different but I'm not sure what I'm applying it to maybe video games (laughs) no I agree I get what you're saying it's just a different kind of um it's a peace of mind it's a peace of mind and when your mind is at peace and you know you feel relaxed you are able to perform in different ways and you're you know you're 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 able to perform better in specific ways if I if I may um so yeah I think every everybody has that I mean if you're always stressed out it's hard to kind of do your job uh as as you would like to with as much ease as you would like to and as much confidence as you would like to. And I also feel like as an LTO, there's like a, a okay, so I, correct me if I'm wrong. I almost feel like there's like an high, a, uh, an unset hierarchy, like between permanent and LTO. It's like, oh, well, you know, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say. As if an LTO will feel... just default to the permanent teacher every time if there's ever a scenario. Right. Whereas like, you know, <laughs> It's almost hilarious that teachers who have 11 years of experience have to do NTIP, <laughs> right? And it's like, it's like, what? <laughs> because, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, being an LTO, being a permanent in your teaching capacity is and should be the same. I, I would agree. If, uh, um, yeah. Especially at the point we're at now where if you're in an LTO, you're not Joe Blow that just got teaching degree from from internet and don't know what to do. Like if you're in an LTO, you have supply. You have you've probably seen some things, and you know you're probably surrounded by people that uh, you know will help you too. But I don't know. Like LTOs these days, uh, it shouldn't have an expectation of you don't know what you're doing because there's so many fucking steps that had to happen first for you to get there. Yeah. So to, to think Absolutely. of them as a second class staff member or something like that would would be ridiculous because oftentimes these are very highly um, trained, and educated and, you know, uh, driven, motivated people because of that need to get hired again. 
I think that's, yeah, absolutely. that's what came with me. Like, that's how I started doing the tech thing was I was like, okay, if you're going to be the LTO guy getting hired every year and you can see how competitive it is just to get back in the school you want to be in, you got to have a skill that others don't have. You got to have something collectible. And I said, well, I, I, I want to get good at tech and I can see everyone's throwing money at tech. So might as well start getting good at tech. And that was how that all began. That's really interesting because, um, because, uh, you know, being in the French field, I don't really, I haven't really had to self-reflect in that way. Um, but I definitely saw that in the, I mean, I guess the LTO that I worked with most closely was I'm going to shout out Anar again, but you know, Blatchens and she was so talented and so skilled in what she did. And I learned so much from her that, you know, you know, if I ever go into my own classroom, so much of what I'm going to do is going to be what I learned from her. And she was an LTO and I'd been permanent for two years at that point. But, it, you know, you learn, you can, if you open your mind, you can learn something from anyone, even, right. even the supply teachers, even, you know, whoever it is, if you open your mind, you are going to be able to learn so much from so many different people. So, yeah. And I, I think it's cool that you, that you have that tech, that, you know, that tech background, because um, I'm sure it gives you confidence in using that stuff in your own classroom, trying new things in your own classroom. And at this point, it's so important to try new things with tech in your own classroom, because that's where the world is going. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. You know where else the world is going? With this pandemic Where? hitting, uh, there are tons and tons and tons of people creating their own businesses from home as making money <laughs> challenging. And you have started Simple Trends by SM. Do you want to tell everyone about it? Yes. So I have started my own Pakistani uh, clothing company online. And I'll give you a little bit of background about the field because I think that was that was kind of the driving factor in um in doing my business a lot of people who wear Pakistani clothes get them from specific shops so you'll have like a cluster of shops within a specific area that is heavily populated by Pakistani people and you go to those shops and you buy your clothes and you know you you go off to to do your thing and then the other option is that you get them shipped from back home if you have somebody there who can do the shopping for you okay um and then I guess the third option is if you go yourself you fill your suitcases with clothes for you and your family um so so when I went I went to Pakistan two years ago for a family member's wedding um I'm sure you remember it was during the school year I went for a a week and a half I remember and it was crazy while you were gone go ahead though (laughs) So at that time, I went there and I looked at these, these, you know, markets and I I was shopping with my family and I was like, holy, I pay like three times the price for this um, in Canada. And so I had some extra space in my suitcase and I was like, I'm going to take a suitcase full of clothes and I'm going to try to sell them and see how it goes. And that was two years ago. And I uh, chickened out. Because opening your own business is uh, is nerve wracking when it's not your area of expertise. I can so, see that, yeah, yeah, and like you know, fashion is definitely not my area of expertise. Pakistani fashion is even less my area of expertise. But what I saw was, you know, um, 
uh, what I saw was a business opportunity. And just to and jump so, in, and I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I went and checked it okay. out because I don't, I don't know much about Pakistani culture. And I saw like really beautiful, just really beautiful clothing, like really nice stuff that like um, I could see anybody adopting. Like I was looking through and I'm like, fuck, which one of these would my wife like the most? Because, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sure she would rock some of it because, you know, she can pull anything off. My, my baby's hot. It's all good, though. Yeah. Um, she totally is. Thank you. <laughs> um, and you know what? Like, it's really interesting that you say that because I never thought about putting it out to the non-Pakistani market. Um, I guess if you look on my website, a lot of the vocabulary, if you will, is also is also geared more towards Pakistani people. And I will tell you that growing up, I um, I wore Pakistani clothes at home all the time. We would go to school and then we'd come home and we'd change into our, our Pakistani clothes and that's what we would wear at home. And, you know, I, I can't say that I do very much anymore until unless like you know my parents are coming over or somebody's coming over and i'll put them on or whatever but every special every special occasion every you know even when i go to my when i go to my family's houses i do wear my pakistani clothes and so there's definitely a demand out there for them and my whole thing was that i don't want like you know there's the stores and then there's people who sell out of their basements so they get their shipments and then they have a setup in their basement and then people come to their houses and they check out their clothes and stuff like that. And I didn't want to do any of that. I thought, you know what, I want to sell online because I think there's a market for my age people who, you know, don't have time to go to a store and drive all the way to Markham or Mississauga or like these hubs where they have these stores. There's none in Oshawa, I will tell you. There's none in, in Whitby, Ajax, Pickering even. Mm. Markham is the closest place that we have this like you know this hub of stores and so I decided that I want to do it online at that point and I launched a couple of months ago and it was a total failure um, at that time and I and I thought about it and I thought you know what is wrong here what is going on here and I realized that the market that I'm selling to doesn't want non-branded clothes and so what I what I did some research and I realized that Pakistan has um, a very, very prominent uh, presence, I guess, of branded clothing. OK. And the brands have done a phenomenal job getting themselves out there. And people who are international um, don't want the clothes from the random market in the tiny city somewhere in Pakistan. They want the branded clothes. And part of it is because the quality um, in the branded clothes is more reliable. Whereas if you just buy from here and there, you may not be, you, it's, imp- it's almost impossible to be sure about what the quality of it will be once you wash it, how often you wear it. Right. And we do wear, we do wear our Pakistani clothes quite often. So um, I decided to go the branded route at that point. And uh, it's funny. I talked to my brother because my parents have a business and my brother runs it at this point. So, I mean, I was just talking it out with him business-wise. And I said, I'm either going to go all in or I'm not. Because I can't I can't purchase, like, one design from each brand and call myself a store. No. So, I said, I'm, I, I'm either going to go all in and I'm going to put a little bit of each brand. And I'm going to have a good collection. And I'm going to invest in it in that way. Or I'm just not, I'm not going to do it at all. And he was like, you know, I think there's a market for it. We talked it out and stuff. And 
decided I decided to go for it. And, you know, I'm really happy with that decision at this point because it is, you know what? It's going better than I thought it would. And it's definitely going better than when I first launched in uh, back in April or May or whenever that was. Um, the branded clothes are doing much, much better. I think that first year I've heard many men say that they feel A, useless and B, invisible because it's about the baby and they can't do a hell of a lot to help sometimes because, you know, it might be a feeding thing. And if you're you're doing natural feeding, then there's nothing they can do about that. Um, Strad has actually done a really good job. So I didn't do I, I, he, he's bottle fed and he has been since the get go. And so, you know, sometimes I'm jealous of Sajad's relationship with him because Ryan will sometimes, you know, prefer going to Sajad over me. And like there are days where I will be having the hardest time with him and Sajad will walk in and he'll just, he'll just want to be with him. Mm. And so, you know, like I'll, I'll give an example on his birthday, his birthday just went by and, um, you know, I spent months planning this thing. Okay. And I bought everything, put it all together and, you know, made this beautiful birthday for this kid. The kid did not want me all day. All of the pictures have Sajad holding him. All of the pictures, like everything. It was just like, cool. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, like I just, I, 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 it depends, right? Because like my sister-in-law, um, my sister-in-law exclusively breastfeeds and there is a difference in the bond that you know she has with her with her son versus versus uh, the father and it's natural and eventually it evens out but um because Judd's also been home um so he's he was in school from September until April and then you know he, he finished his degree at that point and so because of COVID uh job situation whatnot he's been home right We've both been home, actually. And so he's got to spend a lot of time with, with Ryan. And I think that's so important because moms take the mat leave, right? Yeah. And, 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 you know, more often than not, the dads have to go to work or whatever they're doing. And so Stud's been really fortunate to have been able to be home at this time. And uh, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. Uh, you know, I often think about it. I'm like, I don't know that I can handle him by myself. But, um, I mean, I guess I could if I had to, but knowing you, I mean... you can, you, you totally would You'd figure it out. Uh, you probably would like, you'd be rocking it and thinking that you're doing a trash job. And Ugh, I think that's kidding. mom life. Yeah, that is mom life. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's definitely got this crazy cool bond with Sajad. And I think it's, uh, he's fortunate that he's been able to spend that kind of time with him right now no kidding it's really challenging to to give kids that connection with a male and a female and you're you're living life the way that you want to and you have your husband there and and he's present in in your child's life and your kid bonded with him i mean that's that's the way it's supposed to go buddy don't be jealous of that that's exciting that's exciting (laughs) Because you you've seen you've seen over your career what it's like if someone doesn't have the dad to bond with too, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's great to see, and then and then the few times where I'm just like cool and jealous now. 
Um, but you know, there are things he does with Sajad that he does better with Sajad than he, there's things he does with me that he does better with me. So it's been, you know, we were fortunate enough to have this, this balance and parenting hasn't been exclusively either one of our jobs, as you may uh, put it. Um, and uh, since school has ended, he's gotten a lot, he's gotten a lot more comfortable with the day to day of, you know, Ryan's needs. So it's nice. I mean, I could take a vacation for a couple of days and it's fine but that's so good there's so many people that can't there's so many people that don't have that that uh feeling like their their significant other can pick up those pieces when they fall down do you know what i mean oh yeah absolutely absolutely um it's been great it's been great and it's given me time to focus on the business a little bit um if i need to get something done i can easily go ahead and do that um because you know business takes time it takes uh, it takes uh, investment of your brain capacity and your time and all of that kind of stuff and so having having someone to rely on to be able to just grab ran and go um has made it really really easier on me i guess well i mean do what i'm doing that's fantastic because you're you're going to gear up for another school year and we don't know what that's going to look like um, and what do you think about that? Well, uh, it's too soon for me to say. I think I keep reading too much, and I become emotional when I read what the plan what what the plan is, what the mm-hmm. what the the plan you know <laughs> the air quotes plan is, uh, which is the <laughs> you know we'll we'll come back in two weeks and we'll have a plan then. Um, I really mm-hmm. don't know what's going to look like, and when I think about it deeply, it stresses me out. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know. I feel like things could change three different times before my guess would even have a chance to come to fruition. So I really, I don't know, but I'm going to go inflexible. That's for sure. I just, absolutely. And I think uh, that's the best mindset. And I think you'll be great. I think, I, you know what? I think you'll be great in whatever happens. Tech is your strength. And so if, you know, uh, if that's, I think a lot of whatever we do is going to be heavily reliant on tech. Yeah. Um. In in the classroom, out of the classroom, it's all going to be very heavily reliant on it. So I think that's your that's your strong suit, and I think you'll do great regardless of what happens. Um. In September, I mean. Thanks. I'm not even going to pretend I know what's going on in the world. Well, I would say for you, if you're coming in after not being a part of any of this year and all that stuff, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend reading a ton either. I I think that you you should check in with someone that you trust about things that you definitely need tech wise, just like, Hey, I, I need her mm-hmm. not to do this, this, and this. And I, I think you just keep your head down and do what you always did. Just, you know, your best, yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah. And so, sorry, I just want to tell you one other thing I've been working on this year. Do it. Um, Cause I meant to tell you about this before. I think I messaged you at some point about the driving school, my parents driving school curriculum. You did stuff. I did. Okay. So that's given me a really cool um, like insight into the digital world and like digital learning and engagement in digital learning and stuff like that. So we basically, my parents have a driving school, the 20 hours that the kids have to do in class. The Ministry of Transportation has recently allowed driving schools to provide that um, on, a, on an online platform. And it would be an 
asynchronous um, program where students can go on anytime they want and they kind of do the modules at their own pace, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So we were making that. And because we didn't have our own curriculum to start with, we kind of had to start from scratch with building the content and making sure we meet the requirements and all that kind of stuff, whatever. Um, so it was cool. Like that was, that was fun. I don't want to say fun to do, but it was Mm. cool to do. (laughs) Well, anytime you're working that closely with your whole family, it's like, it's not, it's not, it's not, I love my family, but if you tell me I have to work closely with them, I think that we're committing to certain number of like arguments that are just going to happen. (laughs) And yeah, I'm realizing more and more though, that those arguments are, they're my fault. (laughs) (laughs) And we talk about flexibility, but it's usually from me being inflexible on something, right? <laughs> oh, man. You know, we're very different with our families than we are in our job because our job requires us to put kids first. Yeah. And in, in our family, we don't really have to do that. Although, so, we should. I mean, we do. We should. We should. <laughs> we should, but we get away with a lot. So that's that. But uh, yeah, my dad is very, uh, I mean, he knows what he wants yep. and it's his business. So um, he and my sister are actually uh, super critical people, but critical in a good way. Like they will improve the product yeah. and what they say will, they, what they say will definitely improve the product. And my brother and I are more of the, uh, yeah, it's fine, man. Like, no, it works. It works. It's good. We'll make it work. Um, and so like, you know, it was interesting working with all of us together and uh, we had a team of uh, outside professionals who kind of did um, other tasks. Um, so it was interesting. It was an interesting thing, but through this year and then coming and then, you know, May comes along and we've submitted for approval and COVID has hit and everything's going online and we're just like, Whoa, that was cool. Just how the timing aligned. You were ready for it, basically. Like you guys, you guys were doing this model before it all happened. And it kind of, I guess, uh, the pandemic hit and then driving school had to become the model that you guys had already chosen. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, definitely. And it was, um, I mean, we're still going through approval processes because it's very, uh, like, it's very nitpicky to get your curriculum, per se, your program approved but it was something that was already in the works and so it kind of just uh, aligned with what was happening in the world at the time and and there you go but I'm just trying to say that I mean I'm hoping that I'm hoping that a little bit of experience with getting getting online going from classroom to online will help me in September at least I'm hoping I don't know I'm just kind of going in with an open mindset and trying to be as flexible as possible well, your um, driving school, your family's driving school um, curriculum or pro, I'm not even sure what you're supposed to say there. Is it programming over curriculum? You could say program. Okay. You could say program. Um, yeah, I think uh, if you've been working with that on your end and seeing what that looks like from like a content delivery, then you have been doing distance learning. So you're probably more ready than, you know, either of us even imagine. I hope so, because I am nervous about September and um yeah I'm, I'm a little nervous about going back to work um you know being away from ryan all day i haven't been away from him i haven't been away from him at all actually um for longer periods of time so being away from him every day having a new a new normal 
in the new normal yeah of the world you know um so there's that and then there's the distance learning and all that kind of stuff but I think I think my my um anxiety around being away from him overpowers my anxiety and nerves around being around the distance learning and all that kind of stuff well that I'm like at least I can I mean that I'm like okay well I need to wrap my head around it it's teaching I gotta figure it out it's my job blah 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 when I think about when I think about being away from him all day and I'm just like okay that'll be my bigger mental challenge I think for me I've heard many ladies talk about coming back to work after mat leave and the overwhelming consensus is going back to work is the break. So it, Hopefully. it seems really hard, but if you're going back to work, if you're going to be in a school, if school's going to be like normal, then you get like a physical break and that's how you'll see it. But if we're going to be doing distance learning and you're teaching from home and you've got, you've, you've got your child right there. I don't know. I have no idea how people did that because it was hard enough with just dogs. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't mean to scare you. You're, yeah. you're going to be good. You've got this. Thank you. No, you're not, scaring, you're not scaring me. You're right. It is going to be a break. It'll just be, it's just like anything else that's different than what you are currently experiencing. It's just that change that you're just like, oh my God, that change. Um, but yeah, again, adjustment is what it is. The world is where it is at right now. So well, just got to try to change. keep up with it. I, I got to tell you, I've written down here things that I wanted to talk to you about. And the last thing is you're my lunch buddy. You're yeah. you're my buddy that like <laughs> I, I see you in the hall. I'm like, my lunch fucking sucks. Your lunch? Let's <laughs> go. And we would go to the food court together at the Oshawa Center. And we would have choice of all those different takeout. And my God. You, you open my eyes to, you know, some new things. And I, I, I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. I really enjoy going out for lunch. I think it's a great break in the middle of the day from being in the building. Yes. Um, and I don't have to eat my own food. And it's great. It's great. I enjoyed it very, very, very much. And it was awesome to be like, hey, Rick, you want to go for lunch today? And it was mostly like, unless you had something going on, you were just like, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely do. Not hard to twist my arm. Not hard at all. No. It was great. It was great. Uh, just yesterday, you'd be proud of me, I think, anyway. Uh, there's a new Briani place that just opened up in my neighborhood. and Where? Uh, it is on Bailey and uh, Crosno. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's on Bailey near Liverpool. Uh, it's called Al Imran Kebab and Briani. And uh, I've never had a chicken biryani before. Uh, well, I had to Google biryani when I saw it was opening in the neighborhood. And I saw that what I Googled anyway was like a meat with some rice, with some different spices and, you know, flavorings and seasonings and some potatoes. And I was like, hmm, I like all of those <laughs> things. But my biryani yesterday didn't have potato. Is that common? I, I don't know. Yeah. I was just gonna say I don't normally make mine with potatoes. Um, personally, I don't make it with potatoes because it takes much longer to cook if you put the potatoes in because you essentially have to put the potatoes in at the end and then steam cook it for a couple of hours. Oy. And I don't steam cook it for that long. I steam cook my biryani for maybe a half hour at the end. 
and uh, I don't have the patience to wait three hours for it. No. But uh, yeah, so you know what? Um, I think I, most home cooked biryanis will have potatoes, but I've never really seen like out like from uh, restaurants that do that do it with uh, with potatoes. Most of them just have the chicken and stuff. Okay, so the tech guy did a bad Google job there. That's all. Well, it should. If you ask an authentic, if you ask for an authentic biryani, authentic biryani has potatoes. I think we just kind of lose it. Like when my mother-in-law makes biryani, she always puts potatoes in it. Okay. Um, my mom doesn't make biryani. She's uh, interestingly enough, biryani is not common in all parts of Pakistan. It's only common in specific parts of Pakistan. So. Growing up, I never really had biryani at home because where my family is from, they don't really make biryani. And so even till this day, my mom does not make biryani. I make it because I learned it off the internet. But um, but it, but it's more so in specific regions of Pakistan. Really? Um, yeah, it's interesting. The cooking is different in different regions of Pakistan. Well, for seven uh, bucks, a chick- chicken biryani, how's that? That's awesome. That's awesome because they they fill it to the brim. Like like it it's not like they full. just. It was really full. Yeah, exactly. I you know I don't I don't ever make less than uh, like four or five cups of biryani because it's just not worth your time. And I'll make it if I'm taking it to my parents' house. If I'm taking it if someone's coming over, bec- I will never make it just for the two of us. It's just not worth the time. Um, but because I prefer to just go out and buy it, like that one box will easily feed both of us. That's the thing with has a- good food takeout like that. When you get massive quantities for the dollars, like it almost makes you not want to cook your own food because it might not be worth it if you know where to go hit the good spots, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I don't know whether yeah. to recommend it or not. It's it's the only biryani I've had so far. So... <laughs> But uh, why don't you check it out anytime you're in my hood and uh, let me know what you think. I will definitely let you know what I think. Malik. I'm, I'm willing to dry biryani, try biryani anywhere. Yes. Well, there you go. Pickering's not far. And if you're going to be in the hood, like, let's do a socially distant chat in the backyard and uh, catch up face to face. I would love that. Okay. I would love that. This has been great. I, I agree. And really we're just talking at this point wait till you get to listen to it like it is enjoyable hearing a couple people that like each other just talk and listen to each other oh that's awesome i can't wait well that was the show for today hope you enjoyed it um if you enjoyed it you want to check out the other episodes uh there are quite a few waiting in the wings as well took a little bit of a vacation and uh you know i'm ready to get right back at it If you have an idea for the show, maybe something that you want to hear about, something that you're curious about, something that you you think I might be able to find the answer to, uh, feel free to shoot me an email at itsrickspodcast at gmail.com. And I'm not going to make you hit the rewind button. I'm going to say it again. Itsrickspodcast at gmail.com. And if you are a grammar Nazi like me, I don't know if that's an appropriate term. Uh, If you're a, a grammar... No, grammar Nazi is fine. Like it's uh, everything in context, people. There's no punctuation in email addresses. So that's something you didn't know. Now you know. Um, 
anyway, thanks for listening. I feel super supported. The numbers of listeners that I'm starting to see on these episodes, I'm I'm very impressed. So yeah, thank you for everyone that is uh, that is listening. And uh, if you think someone else in your life might enjoy an episode, why not suggest it to them? Hmm? Huh? Hmm? And I'd ask for ideas, but I'm also asking, do you think that you would be a good guest to have on the show? And if you think so, tell me why. Again, drop me a line. It's rickspodcast.gmail.com. Anyway, thanks, fam. Ugh, I don't like that I said fam. Thank you, friends, family, and friends who are family. And people that didn't know me before, now you do a little bit. <laughs>